I am Cheryl Witten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. One of the biggest problems in aromatherapy is conflicting information and crazy wild claims. All you have to do is search essential oils on the internet, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So when you're looking for information, how do you know who to trust, and how do you know what's right? Well, that's the reason I created this podcast, and a course called Science of Aromatherapy. The Science of Aromatherapy course takes you through aromatherapy as a healing art and the history and modern use of essential oils. You'll learn the basics of aromatherapy, the science and chemistry of essential oils, contraindications and safety considerations, and clinical and personal applications. In this course, I take you through everything from how aromatherapy affects epilepsy and bleeding disorders to drug interactions, allergies and sensitivities, and to use in pregnancy and breastfeeding, and even with children. We covered the main modes of application and profiles of the 10 most popular essential oils. By the end of the course, you'll understand the most common contraindications and safety guidelines, how to use essential oils, how to build a protocol, and how to choose, cross-reference, and eliminate essential oils, as well as how to formulate, blend, and dilute essential oils, and so much more. So why should you learn from me? Well, I'm a clinical aromatherapist, and I've been working with essential oils for around 20 years. I've trained with some of the world's renowned botanists and aromatherapy experts, and I teach people all over the world about aromatherapy. I also happen to be a professional health writer and have published peer-reviewed research work in aromatherapy. It's no longer necessary to be confused about aromatherapy. Let me guide you to clarity. Visit livelovelemon.com forward slash science dash course to enroll. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. So you may have seen somewhere along your journey of aromatherapy, vanilla essential oil. You may have even bought vanilla essential oil. I'm so sorry to tell you, but you may have bought a fake product. There is no such thing as vanilla essential oil. So today I want to talk about this. I want to talk about authentic vanilla aromatherapy products and the vanilla plant, how we get vanilla aromatherapy products, what you need to look for and what the science says about how it works, as well as any safety precautions around this aromatherapy product. So vanilla is the species vanilla planifolia or vanilla fragans, and its common name is vanilla or bourbon vanilla. You can find vanilla pompona, vanilla tahitensis, or Tahitian vanilla. There are two big producers of vanilla on the market, and that is typically Mexico and Madagascar. However, there are other countries, you know, like India and others that also cultivate vanilla. And after saffron, vanilla is the most expensive spice. It's the second most expensive spice you can purchase. And this is because it's a very labor-intensive process to actually get vanilla. So vanilla is a creeping vine that produces an orchid flower and a fruit called the vanilla bean. So in Mexico, the vanilla there is pollinated by a specific species of bees, but those bees are only in Mexico. So in other places, this has to be hand-pollinated. The thing about it is the orchid only blooms for one day. You know, the blooming season overall will last several weeks and new flowers open daily, but 
each flower only lasts for one day. And if those flowers are not pollinated on the day that they bloom, then the bloom falls off, the flower falls off, and then the beans don't grow. So to take, you know, to keep a steady flow of vanilla bean crop, farmers have to hand pollinate. So during the, the blooming season, there uh, farmers are out there hand pollinating every day. So it's a very labor intensive process and we haven't even gotten to harvesting and extracting yet. Just that one thing alone is so labor intensive. So the next step is to pick the beans and the beans are harvested when the tips are brown and the pod is turning yellow. The time that they are harvested is very important because it will change and impact the the vanilla notes, the aromatic notes and compounds that are found in the bean and in the plant. So they are picked and then they have to go through this six to nine month process of fermenting and curing, which involves heating and sweating and drying the beans. And so this process brings out the compounds, which then have to be extracted. Vanilla extracts don't come from the orchid or the plant, the vine, they come from the vanilla bean. But the beans do not release their aromatic compounds very well. They don't, they're not water soluble, and so they can't be steam distilled or cold expressed. Instead, they have to be extracted. So this is why there's no such thing as an essential oil. To be classified as an essential oil, the plant material must be steam distilled or cold expressed to extract the volatile organic compounds. So instead with vanilla, the authentic aromatherapy products that you will find are going to be a vanilla oleo resin, a vanilla absolute, or a vanilla CO2 extract. Okay, so what is an oleo resin? For many plants, we get essential oils, as I said, by steam distilling raw plant materials. This can be like plant leaves, it can be flower petals, it can be twigs off of a tree, for example. Some plants are delicate though, and have to be extracted a different way, or we have to use different parts of a plant. And so that will require a different kind of extraction process. And sometimes that involves solvents. And this use of a solvent then takes us away from technical essential oils into extracts. To talk about oleoresins and to talk about vanilla oleoresin, we first have to just talk about resins. So plants can produce a few types of exudates, which are metabolites that ooze out of the plant. So we have two main things. We have a resin, and this is the sticky ooze coming out of usually trees, um, usually out of the bark, and it is basically oxidized essential oil. And so once it comes out of the bark, it hardens when it's exposed to the air, okay? And so the second thing we can get is a gum. And this is a product high in sugar that plants make as their internal tissues decompose. Okay, what does that mean? It means that if you cut the stem of a plant or a branch of a plant, it will ooze this gum. So the plant will make this maybe to prevent, say, a fungal infection, but usually it comes when the plant is wounded. Within that, there are three types of resin. We have hard resin, which has very little essential oil and is used to make things like varnishes and adhesives. We have gum resin, which is a semi-solid mixture of gum and resin and also contains essential oil. So usually you tap a tree to collect this. And then we have oleoresins. And this is a semi-soft 
mostly liquid mixture that contains resins and high amount of essential oil. So if you've ever heard the term balsam, as in an LME balsam or copaiba balsam, or sometimes it's called a balsam of copaiba, those are oleoresins. And it has a resin with an essential oil, high amount of essential oil. And so oleoresins are naturally occurring. Generally speaking, most resins come from trees. And as they harden, you know, on the outside of the tree, they're sometimes called tears. And they're sort of like suspended drops, you know, of that internal plant life on the outside of the plant. And then they're sort of frozen there until we release them with extraction. But depending on the plant, some resins and oleoresins can be steam distilled and some cannot because they're not water soluble and they need to be extracted then with either a hydrocarbon solvent like hexane or with an alcohol solvent like ethanol. With vanilla, the oleoresin is in that vanilla pod and inside is hundreds of beans and sort of a vanilla bean paste. So if you've ever worked with in your kitchen, if you've ever worked with vanilla beans, you'll know what I'm talking about. So when you bake with vanilla, you know, you can use vanilla bean to to produce say like vanilla ice cream, for example, and have that white ice cream with brown flecks in it. That's authentic vanilla. The pods have the compounds that we're looking for, the vanilla notes to them. And those pods have that oleoresin and that is what gets soaked. So vanilla, again, is not water soluble, so it can't be distilled. Instead, the beans are soaked in an alcohol solvent to pull out the compounds. So this process is called maceration and it is what produces the vanilla extract you bake with. And the alcohol used here is called ethanol, but it comes from a food source. When we talk about perfumery vanilla, because vanilla is in food, but it's in lots of skincare products and it's in lots of perfumes, Sometimes it's synthetic, but sometimes it's authentic. And when we're talking about perfumery vanilla, sometimes this can be done with ethanol that comes from petrochemicals. And so we're going to talk about why that's important in a minute. But here, the vanilla extract that you bake with, that process ends here. You remove the the beans out of the mixture and you sort of strain it and clarify it. And you have vanilla extract. But for the oleoresin, that alcohol from that mixture has to be removed. And so what you end up with is the aromatic compounds left over. And this is vanilla oleoresin. When you're working with vanilla oleoresin, what you'll find is it doesn't really dilute that well in carrier oils. So a lot of people say, oh, you have to use it in alcohol mixture. If you want to make a spray or perfume, you have to use it in alcohol. Sure, I guess, but it actually will dilute in a carrier oil. But what will happen is that you will have to shake it up because it will naturally settle. It will not stay suspended. This is something to look for in your brands because some brands have figured out how to make it stay suspended with their own you know, techniques. So if you're buying something that's you know, blended with vanilla, it may settle naturally. There's nothing really wrong with that. It's just that that may occur. That's a natural thing that may occur. The next thing we have is the vanilla absolute. So getting an absolute also involves solvents. But this process is a little bit different than an oleoresin. So for an absolute, you have another step that goes into this. And you have to start with a hydrocarbon solvent, which will most often be hexane. The vanilla beans are going to be added to a drum and they're going to be sort of pulverized, shaken up. 
And then hexane will be added with low heat applied. Then that hexane or the solvent that's being used will have to be removed, which then creates the sort of thick waxy substance called a resinoid or a concrete. And the concrete is then treated with alcohol and this helps separate the compounds. So the waxy stuff is, is filtered out, the alcohol is filtered out, and what you're left with is concentrated plant material called an absolute. These are the, the aromatic compounds. So it's not really an essential oil. It's really a concentrated form of plant material. And some of the solvent will always remain in that end product. So this is different from an oleoresin because an oleoresin is that extraction process of soaking in alcohol. And then it has that second step of removing the alcohol. An absolute has that hexane component. Then it produces a wax and then the wax has to be washed with alcohol. And then you have a filtration process and then you have your final product. So those are different. The other product you're gonna find is called a CO2 extract. And this is when the compounds are extracted from the beans with supercritical carbon dioxide under pressure. So at pressure, carbon dioxide has the density of liquid, but it's not gas and it's not liquid either. And at this supercritical stage, the carbon dioxide acts as a solvent. And so it can extract the compounds. Technically, a carbon dioxide extract is actually an absolute because you're using a solvent. The bonus here with a CO2 extract is that once you bring that pressure back down, the carbon dioxide turns back to gas and dissipates. So the end product can be potentially be clean from your solvent. It's fast and gentle and it can capture a lot of what steam distillation can't. So this is why many people really like CO2 extracts. If you use lower pressure in this process, the products are more like essential oils, whereas higher pressure products are going to have more plant material and you know more compounds of the plant and can tend to be a little bit waxier. And those are much less like essential oils. So technically speaking, a CO2 extract is, well, an extract. It's not an essential oil either. And when we talk about these types of products, this is where it gets confusing because you'll find people calling oleoresins absolutes. You'll see that technically speaking, both CO2 extract and an absolute come from the oleoresin, but then you also have the oleoresin that is technically classified as an absolute because it uses alcohol to extract it. But some people use those terms, you know, interchangeably and the way I understand the process is that they are all different things. You might also find vanilla absolute and vanilla CO2 diluted with a carrier oil. This might be a product for sale that you can find. And those may be called a vanilla dilution. Those are legit products as long as they're being fully labeled properly. So what you want to look for, you want to look for vanilla oleoresin, vanilla absolute, vanilla CO2 extract. But you want to go one step further here because one of the most important things to know about vanilla products, vanilla oils, is the solvents. So you have to use in either stage here, you know, with absolute or oleoresin, you have to use a form of alcohol to extract the constituents. But what you want to know is what kind of alcohol is being used. Most of the time, it's going to be an ethanol, but sometimes it might be something like 
propylene glycol, especially for non-food products. So you wanna know what solvent they use and where it comes from. Because you can get ethanol by chemically producing it from petrochemicals, or you can biologically produce it by fermenting sugars and starches with yeast. So from foods like sugar beets or grain or corn, you know, the sugar or the starches from those foods, for example, will make ethanol. And most of the ethanol out there comes from plants, but it is wise to check because if it's a perfumery product, they're not going to be so concerned about using food sourced ethanol because you're not going to be consuming it. However, you're potentially putting it on your skin. So we want to be really aware of what we're using and what the company that you're buying from, what their process is. The other thing is, as I said at the beginning, you probably bought a fake product and there's a lot of different types of products as well. People start using terms like tincture, vanilla tincture. Well, you know, a vanilla tincture is vanilla extract that you're baking with. And a tincture is simply a plant soaked in alcohol or glycerol. It's that maceration process I was talking about, the herbal preparation that makes it into a tincture. You have those compounds, medicinal compounds in that plant that then you can take as a remedy. The only difference between a tincture and say a vanilla extract might be the the ratio of vanilla to alcohol. A tincture might be a little bit stronger. Basically, they're the same thing. You also have an infusion. And this is called vanilla bean oil usually. This is not vanilla essential oil. This is not vanilla oleoresin or absolute or CO2 extract. This is another herbal preparation of a fatty vegetable oil infused with vanilla beans over six to eight weeks. So it's gonna be the same thing as an extract, except instead of alcohol, you're using vegetable oil, jojoba oil. Why would you do this? Some people might use that to add an emollient, a scented emollient into a a skincare product or use it as a massage oil, for example. That's a product you can buy. You can make that one yourself. And now we have a couple of other products you might find that are basically scam products. Vanilla extract with carrier oil added. This is not aromatherapy product. You gotta watch out for this. You can't just take vanilla extract off the shelf and add carrier oil and colony essential oil. Not a thing. Fragrance oil, these are synthetic products, does not come from any kind of authentic vanilla. It's simply manufactured in a perfumery lab, right? We also have artificial vanilla or vanilla flavoring. This is not an authentic vanilla extract either. It's not even from vanilla beans. And it is most certainly not an aromatherapy product. This is what most of you bake with. This is that ethyl or methyl vanillin that is synthetically produced in a lab, does not come from vanilla. This is the cheap fake vanilla that you get for a couple of bucks on the shelf. This is sort of like baking with Aunt Jemima's maple syrup. You know, sure, that's technically a you know, syrup, but that sure as heck does not come out of a maple tree. You know, that's just purely manufactured sugar syrup. Okay, so that's what most people are using. Real vanilla oleoresin, CO2 extract, is high in vanillin. This is the constituent mainly found in vanilla. And this is what gives it that signature vanilla smell. It has so many other constituents as well. But this constituent does have some medicinal benefits. And now you have to remember that when we talk about aromatherapy products, all of these things work together. All of the the benefits come from many compounds, not just one. However, because it is highest in vanillin, we're gonna talk about vanillin. 
So most of the information around vanillin is in animal research, which means we don't know much about how it works really in human health. But what we do see is that it is antimicrobial and it is neuroprotective. So in animal data, it shows antidepressant activity, which is thought to be caused by how it works on opioid receptors and its antioxidant activity. So vanillin also has anxiolytic activity, which means it is anti-anxiety. So mostly for human application, how will you use vanilla? Well, this information means that it is calming and may potentially help combat mood disorders, stress-related conditions, nervousness, nervous tension, insomnia, restlessness, those kinds of things. The compounds are small enough to cross your blood-brain barrier and interact with your opioid, serotonin, acetylcholine, and GABA receptors, which may positively affect important neurochemicals needed for mood balance and for neuroprotection and proper, you know, function of your brain. We don't know much about vanilla. You know, there's not a lot of research on vanilla. So we don't have any known contraindications or safety considerations with vanilla aromatherapy products except for the usual recommendations to dilute it. However, it is not generally considered to be irritating to the skin. It's not generally considered to be toxic or to have serious toxicity risks, anything of that kind. There's really no known contraindications for this product. However, you know, as it goes with all of my information on essential oils, we gotta have that quality speech. So why did I bring up the ethyl or methyl vanillin? Because Vanilla is notorious for synthetic adulteration or just being purely synthetic. You know, most of the time, the thing in your candle, the thing in your in your skincare product, the vanilla in your perfume, the vanilla scented, whatever, whatever, it's synthetic because vanilla is so expensive. It is the second most expensive spice in the world. And so in order to stretch your bottom dollar, either you're going to use synthetic because it's way cheaper or you're going to end up if you have authentic vanilla oleo resin or vanilla absolute to stretch your bottom dollar you're going to add synthetic vanillin and that is very common practice there are a lot of experts and a lot of data that talks about this that will bring out that vanilla smell and it'll make it smell quite sweet however something you need to know is that authentic vanilla doesn't have that super sweet smell that really sweet baking smell that we find in candles and, you know, those perfume smells. It doesn't smell like that. It's actually quite subtle and kind of earthy. You know, it has that vanilla smell, but it's not strong like that and it is not sweet like that. It's common practice as well for your food vanilla to have added synthetic vanillin or to be fully artificial flavoring. You know, that's literally what most of us buy off the shelf for baking is artificial vanilla flavoring. You know, if it smells sickly sweet, it's probably been rectified, which means having chemicals added to it to smell, make it smell more like vanilla. Very common practice. So it's notorious in this industry for adulteration, for synthetic manufacturing. So the thing to remember is if they are calling it an essential oil, there's no such thing as a vanilla essential oil. So they may be using dubious practices, using synthetic fragrance oil, or they may not be educated enough to know that that's not a thing. So make sure you're on the watch for that. You want to find an oleo resin, you want to find an absolute, or you want to find a CO2 extract. 
but you want to be really intentional about where you purchase your products. You want to look for sustainable growing. You know, we're, we're talking about supporting agriculture in developing countries. So it needs to be fair trade business. It needs to be sustainable growing. And you want to look for their harvesting practices to make sure you're getting the best aromatic compounds out of it and their extraction process. So you want organic vanilla. And then you want to verify what solvents are being used. Where do they source their solvent from? Is it, is it from, say, a sugar beet? Is it from cornstarch? Or is it sourced from petrochemicals? It requires a little bit of investigation work and a little bit of background work. But I promise you, when you are intentional with your purchases, especially in aromatherapy, where there are no regulations and no standard guidelines, this will make the difference in the results you get from your aromatherapy products. All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast. And we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils. So head over to Instagram and find us at the Aromatherapist Podcast. My name is Cheryl Witten, and I am your aromatherapist. We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer. Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.